0: I'm Katie Rich, the Deputy Editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here with our Digital Director, Mike Hogan. Hey, Katie. Our Chief Critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. And our Senior Writer, Joanna Robinson. Hi, Katie. Uh, guys, we had a whole show planned for you, but uh, the Cats trailer dropped just as we were starting to record. So if if it's okay, we're going to do 45 minutes on the Cats trailer. Does that sound <laughs> like a lot of time?
4: Do you feel like the next <laughs> month of our lives is going to be like we plan to do something every day, but then new Cats content comes
3: out? <laughs> <laughs> we're just
4: completely derailed? The Cats movie Twitter
3: alone, I feel like it's going to become like a real thing in my life. It's like a Trump tweet. A Cats yeah. movie
4: tweet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, kidding aside, we are going to talk about the Cats trailer, but we do have some other things to get into, including an interview that I did with Nicole Kidman, who uh, is going to be you know up for SAG Award and Golden Globe consideration for her Big Little Lies performance, so it's not all movies this time of year, uh, and we talked a little bit about, about Bombshell too. Uh, we're also going to get into Dark Waters, and then on Thursday, as you're listening to this, the Indie Spirit Award nominations will be out, so we'll handicap that a little bit. Uh, but first, we have to talk about Cats. Joanna, how did this happen?
5: <laughs> well, I just wanted to say that... The, the rollout for this compared to the rollout for the first trailer is a little different, I think, because the first time, it's my understanding, Whispers on the Wind, uh, that they were blindsided by the reaction to the first trailer, that they really thought people would be like, this is great. Some people are like, this is madness, right? But I, <laughs> uh, what I feel like has happened over time since that first trailer re- was released is that... People have gotten really excited about the madness. They're like, they're really excited to kind of hate watch cats uh, or train wreck watch cats, I suppose. And it feels like the cat social media uh, team, the publicity team is leaning into that because their official account yesterday Teasing that this new trailer is going to drop today, said Twitter. I thought you should be the first to know. New Cats trailer tomorrow. Pass it on. Which seems very much like we know you guys are going to make memes. So like let's let's play together <laughs> in this uh, treatment of it. How many gifts you know? can be
0: made from this trailer? Yeah,
5: um, you know. And then they delivered another bonkers trailer where Taylor Swift shakes her like. Cat chest at the camera. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't know. Here we go. It feels to me, it
3: does kind of feel like they pivoted from Oscars to like, let's just open a big movie and have it be yeah. fun and just like a silly, crazy thing with a lot of movie
4: stars.
0: Yeah. To Greatest Showman, right?
4: Right. Yeah, like the first trailer was very serious and like <laughs> you are going to be moved beyond belief. And now it's like, eh, it's just cats flipping around. Like, okay, like yeah. <laughs> But like we like live in this weird time where. A major studio movie completely overhauled itself because of reactions to the first trailer, which was the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. They went back after fan reaction, like people were like, Sonic looks weird. And they kind of fixed Sonic, I guess, or they, you know, they they improved him. Um, And obviously Cats didn't have the the run time to do the runway time to do that. But I'm curious if they would have had they been like, you know what, let's release in May versus December. Like if they would have changed things, because it kind of seems like, like you mentioned, Joanna, that they're not quite sure how to market this at this point.
5: I think they're like, let's. Well, if we're gonna go down, let's win all the Razzies we can while we go. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let's just let's just have fun and win and get make a lot of money off our like, uh, you know, train wreck of a movie. And I think they will. I bet. I know so many people who are really excited to go see Cats because they think it looks like. A, a trash fire. They so, should do you midnight
3: know, I mean, midnight screenings. You know, like just, <laughs> oh, just they go for absolutely
5: it. Absolutely should go like the Rocky Horror route. Yeah, it should be a cult classic. But what's interesting is before we got this trailer release, um, we also got the like Taylor Swift original song single off of the uh, the film uh, in which she is doing. I suppose an English accent I don't know what it is but anyway um th- that is also very a very like self-serious song so uh they're still caught between their two tones a little bit I think
4: but she won't be singing that song in the movie she's just singing oh, on that the
5: just a uh, closing the, credit song the main
0: character yeah, the, sings the, the song the, in the oh. movie and like Taylor sings it's like um you know like, heart, my, my heart will go on situation sure sure okay. oh
3: who so who, who's the poor person who didn't get to do
0: the single version it's uh Francesca Hayward, who's like the main character, yeah. who's yeah. the dancer, I guess she sings it in the movie. But, you know, like it's a, like Let It Go. They had Let It Go, the one that Idina Menzel sang, and then they had like the pop version over the end credits. It's or a, um... Pink singing
4: the song from Greatest Showman.
5: <laughs> I'm so glad those are the examples that are like top of mind for both of or us. Or Panic at the Disco doing the new Frozen uh Belter in Adina Menzel's key it's so good I guess (laughs) looking at the bright
3: side at least they
4: let you sing it in the movie Right, right, yeah. yeah that's the, well, when you're yeah. up against Taylor yeah. Swift, you're like, well, whatever. Right. Well, it's don't not like in, in Greatest Showman where Rebecca Ferguson, uh, who plays Jenny Lind in it, uh, she trained and trained and trained and trained to sing Never Enough, and then and at the last minute they replaced her her singing voice with a, someone from The Voice, like The Voice UK. Oh. She's and obviously Ferguson's still in the main movie, but like everyone's like, I love that song. She sounds amazing. It's like it's not her. We're
3: bringing in someone from The Masked Singer to
4: do right. it. The
3: egg.
0: <laughs> uh. There's definitely a masked singer energy about. About this cat's trailer yeah. but you know the mass singer is like doing pretty well
4: it's true maybe we're just we've gotten to that point in 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 society where we're just like i just give it to us like i yeah. We, yeah. i want <laughs> uncomplicated uh ridiculousness
0: yeah um, well, we should probably pivot from Cats to the opposite of Cats, which is the Indie Spirit Awards, uh, where I don't believe, Cat- I don't think Cats screen in time to be eligible. And also I think it costs like $250 million. So it also will not be eligible at the Indie Spirits. Those awards can be announced probably by the time you listen to this. Um, it's the uh, Film Independent Awards. They focus on American films and they, uh, basically the one rule is that your budget has to be under $20 million. So that means that something like Get Out won their best feature award two years ago, even though it was a studio release, and it, leaves room for a couple of interesting options this year. Uh, Richard, I know you had one particular title you wanted to look for um, and see how it did at the Indie Spirits.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see how Clemency does, uh, which is a small, small release from Neon that they bought at Sundance. Well, they bought it well after Sundance, um, even though the movie won the top jury prize there. I'm a little biased because I've done now kind of in conversations on stage with both its star, Alfie Woodard, and the co-star, Aldous Hodge, at various film festivals. But I think it's a really powerful, strong movie. I don't think it quite has enough oomph to compete in the Oscar race, um, sadly. But um, I think the Spirit Awards is where it could thrive, which is a, uh, one of the good reasons why, you know, why the Spirit Awards exist is that like, you know, sometimes they go kind of similar to the Oscars. But a lot of times they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. let that big stuff be the big stuff. And here's we're going to focus on small things. And I think clemency is ripe for that treatment this year.
0: Yeah, the last couple of years, like last year's big winner was If Beale Street Could Talk, which, you know, won Regina King an Oscar, so it wasn't like it was some small thing, but it wasn't quite like a big, big Best Picture uh, contender. But then Spotlight and Moonlight both won. Like, it's it's gone, it's skewed closer to the Oscars uh, than it used to. Um, so, But I do think that there's always just room for nominations for a small performance like that, and like I think Alfre Woodard, I, I think she's a pretty good shot in the Best Actress race um, as that category kind of shapes up. But you know, Isabel, Isabel, who pair won for L a couple of years ago, um, and she got an Oscar nomination, but like was not going to win. So there's there's room for tiny movies to kind of make their way through, even as it becomes so Oscar-y.
3: Well, and also uh, you could see you know a boost for something like The Farewell, which I think we basically see as yeah. a screenplay possibility now. And then something like Lighthouse that probably is going to get missed by the Oscars, right? But but like those kind of kooky movies that are fun. Um, it would be nice to see them here and not have it just be like all the Oscar movies that cost less than twenty five million dollars.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think *Marriage Story* is probably a really good one to pin down as a big Oscar contender and a big Spirit Awards contender because it's just, it's small. But yeah, I think you're right that like there is room for stuff that's like prestige, but maybe a little too weird, like *The Lighthouse*.
4: And, and my my question, um, increasingly with the Spirit Awards, is does that event does that become the, the the intended goal for a certain kind of movie. You know, like, okay, we're not even going to bother for, with Oscars, but, like, now the victory will be getting spirit awards stuff. Like, I think about a movie like Waves, you know, which mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. is an A24 movie that got a lot of buzz in rides then less so in Toronto, and, you know, it's kind of, like, making its way to a release that, sh- you know, I'm sure it'll be beloved by some and not by others. Um, but at this point, it seems like that's where they should aim it squarely, you know, and I just wonder yeah. if that's kind of I- industry thinking, if, if people are, like, there's almost, like, a, a two-tiered system of thinking, and um, sometimes you just got to go with the one you think you can win.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you can aim for one and wind up getting both as, a, as collateral. Like I think about uh, The Florida Project, which did get a um, Best Supporting Actor nomination for Willem Dafoe and like didn't do as well as the Oscars as some of us would have hoped. Um, but, you know, you can like campaign and it puts it puts you out there um, for all of them. And then you might do what better at, you know, the Indie Spirits because it's a little bit more, you know, of a familiar turf for a movie like that.
5: One of my favorite um, Indie Spirit awards Awards is the Robert Altman Award, right? Which goes to like a a film with they you know, with a cast, like a really big yeah. cast. And so like I'm a sag like, ensemble. Well, yeah, basically. yeah. Yeah. And so I'm wondering like um do we think like marriage story is is the one here like what's what's a good uh, altman award uh, i feel like competitor? the farewell
0: would be a great one for that
5: because mm, yeah. there's so
0: many like great performances in that that are really hard to nominate um you know and choosing Zhao. Uh, we should talk about you know she's been kind of she got a new york times profile up and she's been in la she's kind of the big acting contender for that and but there's aquafina then there's all the members of the family like all those people like squabbling with each other i would love to see that
4: uh, yeah I'm so glad that they're actually going to do that campaign they are doing that campaign for her for Xu Xin Zhao because it's like yeah. I was like it was kind of like a fun idea and now it's like oh no they actually were they are going to yeah. do it no, I um, remember walking out of that screen and going that is what needs to happen yeah exactly yeah. Um, I <laughs> yeah. would also love to see some attention for like Diana Lin who, who plays um Aquafina's aunt in that movie and has a lovely scene uh, toward the end of the oh, movie oh
0: li- Little Nai Nai
4: yeah yeah um, yeah and, um, you know, so I, yeah, I think that would be a great, great choice. Um, although I think that one, I think that one could show up at the Oscars.
0: Yeah. I mean, the like the thing about supporting actress and you know, not to go like too granular, but it does, you know, you feel like Laura Dern and Jennifer Lopez and maybe Margot Robbie are kind of sitting at the top of the category and then it does feel flexible. Like, I feel like there's a lot of room for a lot of people to
5: pop in there. Is Hustlers eligible for Indie Spirit?
4: N- Probably, it, I think I it was twenty nine million dollars. No, it was tw- no, it was filmed for twenty nine days. Maybe it was
3: made oh. for twenty million dollars.
5: <laughs> a million a day.
3: <laughs> I like this future world where people are gunning for independent spirit and, and all their movies cost like twenty <laughs> <laughs> two point <laughs> two five million dollars. Yeah, right in under yeah. the wire. Like, I'm sorry, there's yeah. no coffee for the last three days. We are <laughs> Oh yeah, the hustling spirit. <laughs> Wikipedia
4: says Hustler's budget twenty point seven million, so they were Just, 20. There you just, go. Seven. just under the exact... wire. Hundred and forty eight million dollars worldwide, by the way. Good for that movie.
0: That would be fantastic. Um, well, again, by the time you hear this, uh, these nominations have come out, and they've probably gone like all in on something we haven't even talked about. So uh, take this all with a grain of salt. But they are they are fun awards to start talking about, it, because it's not going to be long before we start getting the Golden Globes and then tons and tons and tons of critics' prizes, and it's going to feel maybe a little repetitive, but the indie spirits can be uh, have some fun outliers there too.
2: This year, I'm going to eat better and spend less time and money at the grocery store thanks to Butcher Box. Butcher Box is the meat delivery subscription that gives me more time for what matters most. Each month, they send a box of the highest quality meats for a better price in the grocery store, which gives me more time to spend cooking and sharing delicious meals with friends and family. two pounds of ground beef and three pounds of bone-in chicken thighs for free in the first box by going to butcherbox.com slash cadence that's butcherbox.com slash cadence
0: oh well, we can turn to um what's coming out in theaters this weekend because we're in the thick of this period where it's lots and lots of awards contending movies and uh, i don't know that frozen 2 is like the most awards contending movies out there but it's definitely a huge one um richard you reviewed it uh, with i think the best headline that i've read on vf.com <laughs> this year which is just frozen 2 is a disney minus so yeah. congratulations <laughs> thank it was you good um, but you didn't you didn't hate it like you were mm-hmm. you were underwhelmed but not like out to take it down
4: i mean i think it's maybe just me getting older and more cynical because like these things have existed since time immemorial. but frozen 2 just feels like a complete cash grab and mm-hmm. they try to justify it in a more sort of like you know, thematic way. And, they, you know, they, they there are some interesting lessons imparted by that movie for children to kind of hear about respecting indigenous cultures and the environment and, you know, kind of forging your own path and not following the the things that are sort of set out before you by, you know, uh, society, I guess you could say. That's all nice. The voice performances are good. The songs are forgettable, though. They're re- trying so hard to have another Let It Go. Uh, and it, they just kind of, they try, there are kind of three big ballads in it that, that um, are pretty, but don't you know they, they didn't stick in my head um, so yeah I wrote a sort of middling review of it with a kind of you know you know punchy headline and boy Twitter was not, not, not happy with me uh, there are uh, Disney fans are legion and they come from varied you know corners of the world and, and, and Twitter um, and so it was it was an interesting afternoon for me after I posted that review but I don't know I mean I think that like in terms of its awards chances I think yeah it'll probably get a song nomination because you know there are only so many original songs every year and they've got a bunch of them in one movie um, and there's
0: only one in cats, to be clear. So, there's only know, they're, one they're, new song. They only in cats. got one shot.
4: Um, so yeah, I mean, but I think you know, Frozen has a big, big. Frozen two has big competition from you know inside the house, which is Toy Story four.
5: Yeah, yeah, I I liked uh, Frozen two better than you did, Richard. Though I I agree. I don't think it's like I don't think it tops or outpaces the first one. Um, and I think the songs are not as good, but there are a few that did get stuck in my head that I really liked. Um, and I especially liked. Um, I already mentioned Panic at the Disco, but I especially like when the movie is over, right? There's like this little mini concert that plays over the closing credits because you get Panic at the Disco doing Adina Menzel's song. Once again, in Adina Menzel's key. Then you've got uh, Casey Musgraves doing this like little sweet lullaby duet that's in the movie. And then you've got Weezer doing Jonathan Groff's song. And like all three of those are just like really, really enjoyable time uh, over the closing credits, I think. And yeah, I I mean, I I think it stays really true to its original... Premise of of like sisterhood and and uh, you know women doing things Disney princesses doing things for themselves and stuff like that you know in a way that like doesn't sound doesn't feel too overly pandering it's just sort of like here are these women and they're very like they're very strong and they could do all this and I and I I really value that not that you don't Richard obviously you do as well but yeah I mean it's it's interesting that you've got Toy Story four you've got Frozen two these are two candidates coming uh under new leadership at both Disney Animation and Pixar right and Disney is coming off a loss last year they lost to Sony Animation Studios and and it's like people i think were a little surprised by that. Uh, they thought Incredibles two was surely, uh, you know, get the Oscar last year, but into the spider verse did. And so, that yeah, was the
0: first, I think I've got this right, that that was the first non Disney animated feature winner since Rango in 2011. And right. Like, d- a Pixar or Disney movie has won almost all of the animated feature Oscars.
5: So, while I'm not that worried about Disney's chances this year. I think either frozen or in, Incred- um, toy story four is probably going to get in there. And I like both of those movies. I do agree with Katie that I think some other studios are just like small. Smelling blood in the water, and they're like, "Okay, I'm going to shoot my shot." And we've been getting a lot of uh, campaign materials around animated films from other studios.
0: Yeah, um, I think Leica's uh, Missing Link was the one that both of us, because so, Joanne and I both both vote in the Critics' Choice Awards, which uh, is coming up fast, and I got a lot to watch. Um, but they sent over this huge book from uh, Missing Link, which wasn't that big a hit, but Leica movies, you know, they do the, like, hand stop motion animation that's just, like, incredibly beautiful. And especially, I think, Richard, you were one of a few people who was talking about how the aesthetics of Frozen 2 were really not that great. So yeah. that's an advantage you can have with uh, something like Missing Link.
4: Yeah, Frozen 2 looks weirdly bad, I think. I, I don't know. Something about the animation just feels sort of like list but but as ever in this category there are also like t- smaller kind of more indie uh, animated movies that like I've not heard of but like Gold Derby has like Boonwell in the Labyrinth of the Turtles which is um, sure. a lot of people yes. shortlist and it's like I don't know what I that actually is. directed uh, that. oh yeah that's right sorry <laughs> sorry I zoned out when you were telling me about that uh, and then there's something called Klaus I don't know what that is but um,
5: that's a that's Netflix, a Netflix movie. Yeah, yeah that's a Netflix Santa thing I also got oh. a huge package for that okay so um, yeah and Abominable i got like a big like furry package for a bottom you know there's just like Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's just lavish sort of uh packages coming to my house for these various animated films and that just shows you that this is where they're they're seeing uh an in and i think that's interesting whether or not they have that in i don't know i mean like i i don't think you're gonna beat the adina menzel ballad in the original song category and i Don't I mean I could be wrong, but I I, there isn't an an Into the Spider Verse this year that feels strong enough to pull from that uh, that Disney power. But I think
0: that that's the big thing is like Spider Verse really came in the power. I think it came out in December. It was like really cresting as the Oscars were happening, and it was so inventive and so beloved. And I don't know that there's any like single title that's competing in that level. Um, And uh, although although. Spies in the Skies, the movie where Will Smith turns into a pigeon,
5: It's, still it's also a, D- a Disney movie. Is it really?
0: Well, no, it's a it's, Fox movie. Oh, it's, it's Fox. Fox. Oh, my God. Fox, So
5: it's Disney. Yeah, I
0: haven't gotten used to this new reality.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Katie, when is when is your uh, programming session? You know, where where you they, they tape your eyelids open and.
3: <laughs>
4: you know, really. Fox
5: is Disney. Yeah. Um, there's also How to Tr- How to Train Your Dragon, which I really that was a beautiful film uh, that came out earlier this year. Yeah, the, those are great movies. Um, this yeah. is the third one, correct? Third or fourth, wow. yeah. it's oh boy, They're beautiful wow. films, so, yeah. Well,
0: it, it technically, as the parent on this show, I should be the one who's watching all of these, but um, I have to tell you, the arrival of Disney Plus in our life means that uh, the first Frozen is a big part of my life now. It's uh So that's that's my nominee for this year. Yeah. Well, just I just give it to Frozen again.
3: I hope you'll wish us luck because there's a group of very menacing-looking seven-year-olds outside the door of the studio right
0: now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're coming to get Richard. Waiting for Richard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I,
4: well, a lot of the reaction to the Frozen 2 review were like, clearly you don't have kids. And I was like, all right, fair. That's I don't. Because everyone was like, I don't give a shit if it's good or bad. I just want the kids going to see it. Like, it's just yeah. Well, was that the first of line like.
0: of your review, too, being like, listen, the kids in the room loved well, yeah, it. I'm exactly. just saying as a childless adult. It was also... <laughs> so a testament
4: to people just reading a tweet and a headline, you know, because right. like, people are like, What about what, what if what, did kids like it? I'm like, It's literally the first paragraph of the review right. is saying <laughs> that they did, yes. yeah, yeah.
0: I can't believe that people weren't reading context on the internet. Shock what. Analysis. Um, well, so you can talk about the other thing that you reviewed this week or that's coming out this week, um, which I don't think has anything in common with Frozen Two. Uh, but Dark Waters seems more interesting than maybe we were all fearing as a movie from Todd Haynes. That I, it, from your review, it sounds like it is straightforward the way that the trailer made it seem. But but that's not necessarily a bad thing.
4: Well, there have similarities in that they're about in some ways protecting the environment. So there is there is that's that true. connection.
0: Water turns into ice. Yeah,
4: exactly. Um, yeah, so this is a, kind of a weird one. For, you know, Todd Haynes we think of as this very you know sort of inventive indie a filmmaker who does things like, you know, I'm Not There or um, you know, In Carol, which is a little more mainstream but it has a kind of artfulness to it. This is a this is a, you know, lawyer looking into in, you know, a big corporation which is DuPont in this case, um perhaps poisoning a community in West Virginia, uh, and then a class action lawsuit. So it's like a civil action or Aaron Brockovich. But, you know, still has that Todd Haynes stamp on it. It looks really great. You know, um, Edward Lockman did the cinematography who, you know, he's worked with Todd Haynes before. You know, I think one of the interesting kind of meta angles is that the, the movie stars Mark Ruffalo, who in real life has been a big. Polluter. About, isn't it? Yeah. 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 He runs this hideous <laughs> factory upstate. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, he's been very anti-fracking. And, you know, and so he's kind of applying his personal um, advocacy to his acting life which is, you know, sort of an interesting meta. Tim Robbins is also in the movie who does that. So yeah, it's an interesting little movie about a very sad and scary uh, and infuriating true story. Um, But it just feels like, I don't know if anyone's, I don't know if anyone's in the mood for it, to be honest. I mean, it's it's pretty grim. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, when we have like a real whistleblower drama like playing out in Congress. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like this one seems at least... And I think you said this in, in your review, too, like the idea of one person like stepping up and accomplishing something and bring, shedding light in something when like Congress feels like such a, a quagmire. Like maybe there's an appeal in that.
4: Yeah, I would think so. I think that the problem is, you know, when you're telling a true story like this is that this and and, and when you're doing it with the kind of um, care that Todd Haynes is doing it um, is that like they don't really want to like sexy up the details, you know, the, um, in, in a way that would make it kind of really not accurate and and the unfortunate thing is with this case is that it's a really grinding still ongoing process or I guess no they they did eventually settle but like it took you many years and dramatizing a wait for years and years and years for something to actually happen that's hard so it doesn't have the kind of feel good kick of Aaron Brockovich or something like that because it's not so tidy Um, so I think that might be something that's keeping people away but um, I guess it could be marketed as like this is the movie you need to see honor the planet honor the film
3: well how how does it compare to (laughs) how does it compare to the report because I feel like you've got these two films that are, I think of them as in the spotlight vein, where it's like "All right, we're going to dare to be dull here and count on you (laughs) to sort of like, bring to understand that this is actually really momentous and tense, and that I think worked beautifully in spotlight, but it's a tough trick to pull off.
4: Yeah, I I was talking about the report with a a colleague, Ben Lee from The Guardian after we saw the movie this week, uh, uh, after we saw Dark Waters, Um, the report just figures out a way to make it kind of crackling and entertaining, and, and, and I think that they do a lot more uh, with um, Adam Driver's character, you know, like yeah. Ruffalo is kind of just the vessel for all of our anger about this issue, whereas they really make Adam Driver's character a person, um, mm. you know. But I think the other thing is is that while we do see some some there you are know, some you know scenes of torture in 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 the report, but like in in Dark Waters, it's like all like close-ups of like diseased organs and cow teeth and like it's just it, people hacking right. coughing like it's really unpleasant yeah, to sit yeah, through yeah. whereas the report has that kind of you know all the president's men dc intrigue charge to it yeah um, in, in in a way that like you know dark waters just can't
3: i mean i almost hate
4: to say this too but
3: th- the fact that mark ruffalo is so outspoken almost mm-hmm. feels like a bit of an issue because yeah. like it's helpful that you don't have any idea what Adam Driver thinks about anything really because and and you know that if nothing else he's just committed to like finding character and being unexpected and with ruffalo he's so passionate about it you almost worry that he might have smoothed edges of a character or something and and tried to make it more of an activist project than an art project.
4: Yeah, that I think that's totally mm. reasonable and and fair and I think that you know just judging from like little interactions I've seen on Twitter like that seems to have been, you know, people people are approaching this movie like it's vegetables and, you know, people yeah. are not that hungry for vegetables right now. Yeah, yeah.
0: And and Hathaway, it seems, is, uh, is maybe as underused as we feared from the trailer. Uh,
4: yeah, it's interesting. She has a line toward the end of the movie. She's kind of scolding Tim Robbins' character. He plays um, Ruffalo's character's boss. Uh, and she's like, don't talk to me like I'm the wife. And it's like, good line, but at the same time, she's been treated like the wife for most of yeah. the movie. um You know, my, my hunch is that she did it one because she wanted to work with Todd Haynes even though this is not a very Todd Haynesy project and two you know she helps um, her name helps the movie get financing and mar- you know marketing you know opportunities so um you know i think she's kind of doing one for the team and she's fine in it everyone's fine you know it's it's, it's a well acted movie but um it yeah it unfortunately doesn't quite get the blood up in the but way
3: I they think hoped. it's nice they wrote a uh, follow up to I dreamed a dream for her to sing though oh that's a know? beautiful <laughs> moment and that's when Todd Haynes gets really <laughs> yeah. kind of psychedelic and weird yeah, 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 it's yeah. a complete
4: digression and but uh, it it did happen in real life, so. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I need Anne Hathaway to, like, come. It's not like she's, like, Ocean's 8 was not that long ago, but I feel like that was such a great role for her. And since then, it feels like it's been a little slow on her front, and I, I want her back.
2: <laughs> I want
0: agree. the sense. Yes. Yeah, I mean, she's on, like, an Amazon series right now that, like, I don't know anyone
5: who's watched. So I guess I should give her credit for that. She did that bad Dirty Rotten scoundrel sort of remake, right, with Rev Wilson. Yeah, that The was, Hustle, which came out yeah. the same
0: year as Hustlers, as mm-hmm. if to erase <laughs> it completely from your memory. She, mm-hmm. she also has
4: um, we something we were going to talk about on this podcast, but then uh, the movie's release got delayed. Um, the Last Thing He Wanted, the new D. Reese yes. movie, mm-hmm. which yes. I just saw on, if you can believe it, it's time already for this, IndieWire's preview of what might be at Sundance in January. Oh, um boy. So they have that one kind of marked uh, for that <laughs> festival. So we'll see.
0: Man, I didn't think about how Sundance is going to come like two weeks before the Oscars this year uh-huh. because of the compressed timeline. Like, <laughs> the compressed Oscars timeline is going to stress a lot of people out, but that whole thing of like going to Park City and then a week later covering the Oscars is going to be uh, intense. Have fun, Richard.
4: <laughs> I fully expect to see at least a few publicists face down dead in the snow, just like,
0: like <laughs> <laughs> You can make a thriller for uh, next year's Oscars yep. about it. Joanna, before we shared the interview I did with Nicole Kidman, you have seen the most important movie of your lifetime, I think. You saw Little
5: Women. Mine eyes have seen the glory of little women. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw it at this weird little uh, guild screening in San Francisco with like literally five other people. It was like super, it was it was fascinating. I just want to echo all the things that you've been hearing about Florence Pugh. I think she's just like really the, the star of this film. And I thought she was incredible. Um, I feel, I, I don't, I wasn't like taken to the moon the way that I was with Lady Bird. So this isn't like, you know the most important movie of my lifetime, alas. But um, I did really, really like it. And I think that, uh, you know, Greta Gerwig at at the very least is something like incredibly interesting with a story that we think we all already know. So um, I'm excited for people to see it. But yeah, the uh, Florence Pugh of it all. It's a it's a it's a Pugh it's a Pugh year. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she I finally she, yeah. Uh, okay, go ahead. You saw yeah, and you saw Midsummer, right? I finally so. watched
0: Midsummer, and I uh, tweeted our GChat exchange about it to a great viral success, which I did not see coming. But uh, <laughs> yeah, she uh, no, she's she's so great in that movie as like kind of the one emotional thing I think works in it. But I can totally see why that was such a stars born moment from her. It's so her movie, despite all the craziness going on around her.
5: Right, so she, you know, she she was already like beloved of film critics, uh, and then you know she did Midsummer hitting the hitting the horror fans, and then uh, or at least the prestige horror fans, which is a phrase that a lot of horror fans hate. Um, so she does Midsummer, she does Little Women, and then she's going to be in a Marvel movie next year. She's in the Black Widow movie. She's like the co lead of the Black Widow movie. So I just feel like this is her, and then I think they're going to be using that character, her character, uh, to like replace uh, Scarlett Johansson in the MCU. And so I like her star is just going on the up and up and up, uh, from here. So, you know, you're not really arrived in Hollywood until you're in a Marvel movie. I think Martin Scorsese would agree. So, um, that's, that's where we are. (laughs) Um, yeah. So little women, I can't wait for, uh, you to see it, Katie. And we can do a sort of like book club check in on it.
0: Yeah. Follow up from our book club.
4: And reviews will be out, um, on Monday so that'll that'll be interesting to see what the consensus is.
0: Well give us a chance for our weekly Little Women check in once that review (laughs) goes up so everyone look forward to that.
4: Little Women Gold Men. (laughs) Little Gold (laughs) Women. (laughs) Little Little Gold 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 women.
0: Women. It was right there. Okay, so now let's share the interview I did with Nicole Kidman, talking to her from her house in Nashville, which sounds incredibly idyllic. And she was great because she, you know, was on to talk about Big Little Lies and talked about working on that with Meryl Streep. But she also kind of talked about working on The Prom, the Ryan Murphy adaptation of the Broadway musical with Meryl Streep, uh, and how she's like telling stories about Moulin Rouge to all the people on the set, which I wish I could be there to listen to those stories. Um, and she talked a little bit about Bombshell and how, uh, what she revealed to me, this might be an exclusive on Little Goldman, I don't know. But apparently she and Naomi Watts, who she's been friends with forever and who played Gret- Gretchen Carlson on the Showtime series about Roger Ailes, they have not talked about Gretchen Carlson at all, which I find crazy. But I guess that's maybe how you stay sane as an actor who's friends with other actors. Um, So let's listen to that conversation with Nicole Kidman. Okay, so we should talk about Big Little Lies then. Um, And... I was going back to when the season began and when you guys decided to do it, and I was curious if there was a moment when you, at least talking to yourself or talking to Reese, or someone said, okay, yes, we're going to do this. Was there, like, a specific thing that made you all realize that you that you could go forward with the second season?
1: Uh, when they proposed Mary Louise, mm. um, the mother-in-law, and just, I also think the sort of, the just the hunger for the series um, if that hadn't been there from audiences, then that wouldn't have propelled us forward. And the desire to spend the time together, all of those things, went it's so... It, I, I don't remember an actual sort of... It was more like we danced around it and circled around it and it just had it... It almost had a force of its own.
0: It had like a, like a gravitational pull.
1: Yeah, it was like that. I mean, Leon and David and Reese and I and then all... But everyone was so wanting to spend... Um, more time exploring the characters, and when the idea of um, Perry's mother came up, that was such a strong idea, you know. So it just seemed it seemed sad to just abandon it and to abandon these women.
0: Yeah, especially when you left them in such a fascinating place on that beach. You know, you want to uh, mm-hmm. you want to be in on that party, mm-hmm. really.
1: Mm, Hmm. Yeah, and it's still the number one question we get from. I mean, I never, I, I get it all the time. Is please, please tell me you're doing a season three.
0: Well, that was going to be my question too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Reece and I literally, it's it's more than anything else we've done. It's crazy.
0: You guys were kind of coy about it last time you talked about it. Have those conversations changed at all since the summer? Is there any progress on that front?
1: Uh there's no progress, no. Because we're, all, um, I'm, I've been taking a break, um, and really trying to just um, do things with my family and take care of my mom, You know, just doing, just living life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, over the summer, and I have obviously have two little girls. So, and then Reese has been doing morning show, and then Laura's out promoting Marriage Story and Little Women, and Shades making a film, and um, Zoe has High Fidelity. So, um, Meryl and I are actually doing a film together right now.
0: I wanted to ask about that too. Is that is yeah that's in production now?
1: Uh, rehearsal, we rehearsing.
0: Was it, did you know Ryan Murphy before this? Because he talked about how everyone was there, his yes. first choice for the roles. So how did you guys know each other?
1: I've known Ryan for decades. Wow, I have to say, um, yeah, I met him so many years ago, and I've just clicked with him. And then we've had lunch together. We've with, with, with just always circled around things and I just felt like I feel very, very drawn to him and very safe with him at the same time because he's so obviously on board with women and creating great roles for women and he would always say we're going to work together, we're going to work together and then I just got the call to go and see the show and Meryl and I both flipped out for
0: it Hmm. did
1: you go see it together no we saw it separately and James all of us and we all just went oh it would be heaven to go and do something that's so got such sort of I mean in terms of just what it's about is important but then it's you know wrapped in this gorgeous fluffy fun colorful wrapping paper (laughs)
0: <laughs> does does the tone of it Make that feel different And I know you're just Preparing for it But I think about Moulin Rouge And how physically Challenging that was And how emotionally Challenging And how the big this Feelings It's pretty that.
1: Physi- physically Challenging Oh it's, it's similar it's, Okay um, No no The role isn't As much But Just the way In which we're Constructing it But no My role is very different But it's physically Challenging all the same uh, Because I'm I'm doing the Fosse dancing So the Fosse dancing Is a very particular style That's pretty exciting I yeah yeah and also just vocally i i mean these are big songs and um and it's just a different it's a different feel. so it's still a massive reach you know it's it's like I'm like, I hope I'll get there <laughs> <laughs> right now. it feels out of reach, but um i have uh I have faith and um you know, but it's also really fun just going in and and um laughing mm. and doing things where it's silly because I think a lot of my, the things that I have done, you know, contain, uh, I I rarely get the chance to play and be really kind of crazy silly. <laughs> but, there's a, but there's a lot of heart and also because a lot of the dancers always want to talk about it and the, even, um, you know, the man who created the show, Everyone asks me about bags, <laughs> and I I realise I do have a lot of stories about the making of it. There, so I just haven't. I thought I just haven't talked about it a lot because it was, but it was really such a new territory that we were napping. So I look back on it and go, "Wow, we were so um, out on the limb in a way." But it was, and they said, "Did you know it was going to be good?" And I said, "I knew it was going to be incredibly original." Mm-hmm. Did I know it was going to be, um, that it, I, I mean, I knew as a, as a girl, I was so interested in seeing a love story that had all of this with it, you know, but um, at the same time, I didn't know whether it was going to, you know, actually talk to people and reach into their hearts the way it did. Yeah.
0: I love that you're reuniting with Meryl for The Prom so soon after Big Little Lies. And it made me curious, and I'm sorry if this is already out there, but how much did you get to know her for, in the hours? Because you're not sharing scenes together, but obviously you made the movie together. Did you know each other well then?
1: I knew her well because we, were, we would do a lot of interview because when you're promoting the film, yeah. you spend the time together. And I've always kind of, you know, you need people that you go, oh, they're they're sane, they're artistic. <laughs> They're pursuing excellence. They're rigorous in their preparation. You know, she is that. She's mm-hmm. a, She's just a pure actress, Meryl. She's never directed, which I, you know, yeah, which, which is she could wild. have done, yeah. standing on her head. <laughs> yeah, but she's absolutely pure actress, and I love that. And so I've really always been drawn to her, and so I suppose just now, at this stage, I've got a photo um, from when we were all having dinner one night, and that was when we weren't doing Big Little lives or anything, and, and I remember just sitting there and just sort of, you drink her in, because mm. she has so much knowledge and experience and wisdom, and she shares it.
0: So had you stayed in touch since the hours, and that kind of led to this?
1: No. Um, kind of, you know, circling around and high mm-hmm. and everything, but not intimately, Um, and then, but, but definitely she would reach out. She's such an advocate for the arts and Mm -hmm. supporting different performances. So she would send you, you know, she would support certain performances or she loved People Wise. So Mm -hmm. she was really, um, she'd send us emails and she dissected Celeste's story. Like, you know, she'd really gone deeply into why she loved the performance. And so it was just interesting. And so then when there was a role for her, we're like. Here, baby, please, <laughs> we're offering it to you, M.L., because her name is Mary Louise. I know, I love that. And it wasn't her written that name. way. It, it yeah. was
0: not, that was just a coincidence, no, right? No, it was written that way.
1: No, 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 no. It was written subliminally. Oh. The, the author was sending her a message. <laughs> the author, Leanne, wrote a novella and put that name in there.
0: Yeah, just uh, in the hopes that Meryl would Isn't get the crazy. signal. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, it worked, right? She got
1: it. Yeah, it's crazy that it worked.
0: Uh, I was reading the uh, the cover story you did uh, with Krista Smith a few months ago for us, and it, Meryl was talking about watching you and your performances and how intense some of the scenes were. And I was curious from your end, the, there's, uh, the scene where she screams at the dinner table became kind of famous right after it aired. Um, and I wondered, did that feel especially intense in the moment? Because it, it comes across so much on screen. I'm curious what that felt like to witness.
1: Yeah. No, it felt like that. It felt completely bone-chilling, like it comes from the place. I and mean, then it feels so... I love how just completely left of center it is and weird, yet still you kind of, yeah, and also where I slap her, those sort of mm-hmm. things that um, the way in which, and then to have these two women who are related um, joined through this man and now through these the, the sons and her grandsons, when does that happen? To put them on, I mean, to have two mothers talking yet in a court of law Mm -hmm. and that's just bizarre and and extraordinary in terms of scenes to play and then the richness of the material you know it was really strong because it's so layered and I sometimes I always go gosh I hope people watch it again and see because there is so much layering there and the damage and the unfolding of it and and the peeling away and yet the meeting each other and uh, trying to protect the son and the husband, yet having to take away the secrets. It's just so complicated. And, you know, for Celeste, she does have a secret, a massive secret that stops her from being able to heal at all because, you know, he was pushed down the stairs mm-hmm. and she cannot say that to anyone. So right there, there's no step forward because even to her therapist, she can't talk about that.
0: Well, and there's a secret, not not quite a secret, but it's held back from the audience until the final episode of Celeste's behavior and just kind of how uh, how much she's spiraling and, you know, taking home these random men. And that's this big reveal in the end. And I'm curious about you playing. You know that that's happening for her. We don't. Do you kind of, what do you do to kind of keep the audience with as much information as we need, but not, you know, have that still come as a surprise for us?
1: I don't think of that. I just do the inner life. Mm. And because a woman who, because of doing that, she's very, very good at, Keeping things separated and compartmentalized, that's what Celeste does and it's, you know, her damage. But she's done it through the whole relationship and obviously I have a whole life for her that goes way back Mm -hmm. beyond that. So that's how Celeste is deeply compassionate but she's also so willing to sabotage and damage herself and keep all of that in to protect the people around her from what she sees as her... You know, and and her willingness to, her ability to deny things or to shove them under um, or to keep them in a place that she doesn't have to look at. um, All of that is very, very real Mm -hmm. and very relevant, you know. And so it's not so much of how do I reveal or when. It's more keeping the truth in the inner life very, very, very real. And it's just it comes out in different ways. If you watch the series again, you would see so many signs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Mary Louise sees them. She does see them. Yeah. But Mary Louise, instead of offering help, um, real help, I mean, Mary Louise is um, not going at it in the way that you would if you were really deeply wanting to um, heal together as a family. You know, so it's all those complicated agendas and and machinations of the human yeah. of the human journey.
0: Do you get a lot of people uh, telling you about their mother-in-laws after this and their own
1: versions of Mary Louise in their lives? No, they tell me much more about their about abuse.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, that's that's harder to yeah. shoulder, I imagine.
1: Um, more like I do um, fundraising and I do sort of a lot of work now for, for that, but in terms of yeah, they want to talk about, because I think on on the stand when when I discuss why he's gay and why I, I still want to keep him in a particular place mm-hmm. in my head and why um, I do the things I do and why I'm hurting myself in a way right now and all of those things. That's what people respond to the most. Yeah. Still.
0: Do you feel like maybe. Celeste is, is someone you know better than any other character?
1: No, I mean, I think, you know, when I played Virginia Wolf, there was the same kind of de- digging in when you play. I mean, I did a, this, it depends what I'm playing. No, I think Celeste, because I've played her now for 14 hours. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> it's so, so much time. For two years. Yeah, there's a different place that she exists in my makeup and my psyche because I've never done that before.
0: yeah. Did you expect that? Was that a... Uh, did like, Did having a character live with you for that long affect you in the way you expected?
1: Um, I'm just... I'm grateful to have the chance to explore that because I would never have seen that as a place that I was going to go, you know, exploring a character for that amount of time. And particularly one with this labyrinth and depth of emotion and, and damage and then also fortitude and And love and all the, you know, different facets of her. I mean I love her.
0: Yeah. So with Andrea Arnold on the second season, of Big Little Lies, you've now worked with, it has to be more of the great female directors living than any other actor right now, or at least anyone working at your level. It has to and be. Susanna,
1: and Susanna, Susanna Beer coming
0: up. Yeah. And Karen Kusama and Sofia Coppola, the the list just goes on. Yeah. So how are you seeking out directors? Like, are you seeing their movies and saying, I need to work with this person? What do you do? Because it, it's so clearly planned that you're working with these amazing women directors. On a night of
1: play, in can. Um, couple of few years ago now that I'd work with a female director every 18 months to Mm. be a part of actively changing the statistics in my own small way (laughs) but um by making that pledge I hoped other women would do that and I think that's happened but uh, there's also just genuine interest there you know I, I was 14 when I first met Jane Campion and she mined me and molded me in a particular way and I think I've just always thought out. I've grown up in a family that has got deep, deep um, female um, threads. So everything, you know, we were, or oh, I have a sister, aunts, cousins who are all of us were. There's a huge female thread through our whole family, and I suppose I'm just very drawn to women.
0: Yeah. So when you hear
1: about a <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: when you hear about like an, an exciting female director or someone who's, you know, breaking yeah. up the scene, do you just seek yeah. out their movies immediately and say, Okay, let's find something to do together?
1: Um No, not that not that upfront. More it's far more it happens you know, but I but directors in general, in I'm drawn to just directors that are either out of the box or working in particular way. You know, I've worked with your Ghost and Gus Van Sant And Lars von Trier and, yeah. von Trier and Stanley Kubrick And um, Baz Blumman And Stephen Daldry And you know these are uh, Sam Mendes mm-hmm. These are some of the greatest directors You know just female or female in the world So yeah. it's kind of amazing I just love being around great minds And they all bring something different out of you Yeah and I love that. And still at this stage, being able to go. But I've always thought out auteurs.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's, it's such a running through line. And you were uh, telling Christopher Smith in our cover story. You said, I like performance art and not conforming to what everyone expects of you. And, and I wonder if that's if that impulse is why you've <laughs> you got these directors. You find directors who are really powerful on their own, and they're going to say, no, 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 I'm going to make you do this thing that you don't think you're going to do, but it's oh, going to be see, great. I think
1: it's they find you. The weirdest thing is, as an actor, and we all know it, I mean, yes, for Big Little Lives, we're producing, but primarily the directors are choosing
2: mm-hmm. the
1: actor. We're not choosing them. So I'm being, you know, and they ultimately hold the hold the power because they go, yes, I'm going to direct this and I'm going to lead it and you're going to be under my guidance. Mm-hmm. So there's, the, the thrust is always very much... To do with them choosing either to work with me or 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 seeking me out, and I'm open then. So, and I know a lot of directors because I watch a lot of art films, and I've just grown up in that world, and I've always thought that out. Yeah. So that's how I've ended up here in this very weird, windy career that has no rhyme or reason. No rhyme or reason to it. It really doesn't. I look at it and go, God, but that's okay.
0: (laughs) I think working with great directors is a pretty good reason.
1: Yes, that would probably be the strongest pull. But then at times I've been drawn to a cat. Like, you know, there's, there's other times when I'm just, or I've even gone and sought out places to exist because I wanted to uh, explore the world as well. So, hmm. you know, I worked with the Korean, you know, what I call, he's the Korean master, and he he was fantastic to work with. So they're all different. Werner Herzog, I went off to and worked with him in the desert mm-hmm. on the Algerian border and all in riding camels. And So people are like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but I hear that a lot.
0: <laughs> it, it's the adventure.
1: <laughs> um, Probably adventurous soul, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I know I'm going to run out of time, but I, I have to ask just quickly about Bonchelle, about both Gretchen Carlson and Naomi Watts, since you both played her. And I know that Gretchen Carlson can't talk too much about Fox News because of her NDA, but I'm curious if you talked to Naomi Watts at all, and then maybe what either of you learned about Gretchen in, in the process of
1: that. I, can you believe I never spoke to her about it? <laughs> we talk about our kids, we talk about our lives, we talk about um, our time, we talk about where we're spending Christmas. We no, I mean, when she um, originally was doing it, we just said, "All oh, right, okay." But then that was kind of it. I I was um, finishing um, Big Little Lies, and then uh, I went straight into Gretchen, and uh, and it was sort of just. Jay called me up and Charlize, and it was more that, where I was just like, okay, quick, I'm, i I got to make a decision about whether I'm going to do this or not. Mm-hmm. And it was Ashley Merrill who said to me, yeah, you should play her, um, which I've talked about, because she was like, you've got to, and Charlize was playing Megan Kelly, so it's a, it was a very different, obviously Russell Crowe is also one of my really good friends, so yeah. and Russell, we're off doing that thing, but I, we never really talked about it. I haven't even talked to Russell about it.
0: Is that something you, do you have to separate work from life that way sometimes? Is it better just have friends who might be actors, but you kind of keep it separate?
1: We don't do it purposely. I think it's just because that's, we've all grown up together. And so probably that's the basis, the, the original genuine basis for why we're all friends decades later is that that isn't really the thrust of the relationship at all. yeah. It all you know we went to school together, we've all been a whole it's a whole different life It's not we're in relation to the work,
0: so it's different from like the friendship you have with Reese Witherspoon.
1: Yeah, Reese I didn't go to school with. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, but like, you know, you've worked <laughs> so, yeah. with her
0: so much. So you have a, a friendship that includes work, but with Russell Crowe, maybe exists.
1: just Well, goes we also different. have holiday houses next door to each other and our <laughs> friendship started before the work as well. So isn't that weird? Well,
0: that's, that sounds like a pretty great
1: uh, way to spend so a it's holiday. It's a good least. recipe. <laughs> it's a good recipe for, um, for how to, yeah. And then you go, gosh, we should work together. Um, but it's very different when you've been teenagers and you've all grown up together. That's a very, very different
2: yeah. trajectory.
1: And you know each other's parents <laughs> and you know each other's siblings and you've all, you know, every, I mean, the whole thing is so different because we're so yeah. ingrained in each other's um, personal lives that it's probably that's why that probably, yeah. you know, I, my dad. You all, you know, Russell and May and my sister and I mean we're all so intertwined. Um, you, you make it seem
0: like Australia is a very small country when everyone somehow <laughs> knows each other.
1: Well not all but I, I mean these particular people, yeah. Naomi Russell, um, and Baker you know there's a group of us that have grown up like that, not all of us. Yeah. Like there's, there's others that don't, that haven't but I was really excited to work with Charlie and Margot on Bombshell because I was like well I love that this is these women who are the stories being told through them.
0: Yeah. Um, You've given me more time than I asked for, so thank you so much. Congratulations on all of this. My pleasure. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have Have a great day. Okay, Thanks.
1: Bye. You too. Bye.
0: That does it for this week's Little Gold Men. Thank you for listening. Keep finding us on Apple Podcasts or other podcast places and telling your friends and reviewing us and all of that. We'll be back next week. We're going to talk about what's in our screener piles and what we're catching up on as everyone heads into the Thanksgiving weekend. So look forward to that. Uh, and in the meantime, you can find us on VanityFair.com, writing about the Indie Spirit Awards and Frozen 2 and all kinds of other things. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Men, And on our own, I'm at Katie Rich and Mike.
3: Mike underscore Hogan. And Richard. Rylaws. Laws.
0: And Joanna. Joe wrote this. This week's episode was edited and produced by Brett Fuchs, and this week's award for the best description of the aftermath of Richard Lawson's savage Frozen 2 review goes to Richard Lawson.
4: I fully expect to see at least a few publicists face down dead
1: in the snow.